KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. So these are dark days in the midst of the COVID 19 pandemic, but as vaccines become more widely available, things will get better. And that will mean an eventual return to social situations, be it work, school, parties, whatever. As much as social distancing proved to be challenging on many mental and emotional health levels, a return to socialization could prove to be just as, if not more, challenging for some. We wanted to talk about adjusting to being back around people again, so we reached out to Dr. Jamie Zuckerman, a clinical psychologist based in Ardmore, Pennsylvania, to talk about how to prepare yourself to be social again. So we wanted to take a look at this. This pandemic has presented so many mental health issues from the ideas of isolation, being alone. But I think as we see vaccines coming and we can see light on the end of the tunnel and we can start to actually see the concept of quote unquote regular life returning, this is going to present a whole new set of mental and social issues for people that have really not socialized on a large scale uh, in almost a year, right? Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I think that we've gotten so used to our new routines and that because it is such a serious issue, we can't really stray from them. So we've been forced into these routines and forced to stick with them for the most part. And people have gotten very comfortable with them like we would with any routine. So anytime there's a shift in routine, even if it seems like it's for the better, it's still extremely uncomfortable for people to shift gears, to kind of re-engage with their old routines um, and it kind of get moving forward again. It's extremely difficult. Any type of change is difficult. What are your main concerns? Well, I guess, first of all, are you starting to hear from people that you work with some of these concerns? Like, well, my job's talking about bringing me back to the office and I don't know how I feel yep. about that. Has, has that started to appear on the radar? Yeah, it has, particularly with work, for sure. People who have you know, corporate jobs, let's say, that can work from home, that have been working from home, there's the expectation they're going to go back into the office, you know, maybe in, you know, March, April, May, whenever that, whenever that happens. And a lot of them have gotten very comfortable being at home and in fact have been more productive at home. There's a lot of, you know, extraneous variables that are not in play anymore. And so they're able to, they find that they're able to concentrate better. They find that they're able to you know, kind of set their own schedule based on their lives, which, you know, is the opposite at at work. Usually our lives have to kind of fit into our work schedule. Now people's work schedule is fitting into their lives and it gives them a sense of control over things. So to give that up is a big, big shift. And people have a lot of anxiety about that. I have a lot of patients who their work involves a lot of travel and now they're going back into things and the travel is the part of their job they hated the most. And so now they have to go back into that. And it's, it's very upsetting for them. And people are, you know, questioning their future and the companies that they're in. So I have absolutely seen this a lot. To that point, And I mean, every corporation, every company, every business is going to be different. Would you expect excluding places like store where you have to be there, where you physically can't do the job if you're not on mm-hmm. site, but Would you expect most places to be pretty flexible on this? Because I would imagine 
there would be a concern kind of once everything levels out that a lot of people might start looking to do something else uh, if they're forced yeah. to, if there's not a good reason why they have to be where, where you tell them to be. I think if companies were smart about it, they would become a little bit more more flexible. Yeah, because I, I think that people, like I said, have been more productive. And so if they if they look at that, they may find that it's benefiting them as a company if people are being more productive at home. It makes them more money. So I think that's that's hopefully what will happen. I do think, though, that if they are not willing to be flexible, there's a couple issues with that. One, even though the vaccine is kind of making its way through the U.S. and, and people are getting vaccinated, I think, you know, it's still a pandemic. We're still in it. And so this, if we start to just open all of these things at once and, and assume that people are just going to come back nine to five jobs, I think you may even see a spike in, in cases. I think that it's just smart from a, from a virus standpoint to do it gradually over time, not just because of a routine, but just being smart about the, about the pandemic. So I would hope that they would for numerous reasons. I do think that if people are told they have to go back rather than giving an option to maybe do a couple days from home, a couple days in the office. That's also going to be an issue just in general because people like having options. Even if they pick to go back in full-time, nine to five, they, they like to pick out of options. When we're looking at purely from a work standpoint, there's a lot of jokes about, or there used to be in the before times, a lot of jokes about you know how this meeting could have been an email and stuff like yeah. that. For the last 10 months, that meeting has been an email or maybe a conference call and stuff like that. And I, there's going to be any job, there's a certain level of frustration there's a, that you have to deal with. Are we going to see those levels kind of multiplied if people have to deal with meetings and stuff like that, that now they, they, they know? can be done over an email or a five minute yeah. zoom call and stuff like yeah. that. It's, I just think it's going to be harder to deal with this kind of stuff on a day to day basis when you kind of know there are better options available, right? Yes, I agree. And what we hope is that the people who are in management and the people that are kind of in charge of these companies or these organizations feel that same way too. And that, you know, they also don't want to have to go back to something if it wasn't as effective. So, you know, I, I think that if we do it just to do it because we've always done it, you know, and that's true for anything in psychology. You know, if you if you have a certain pattern and I say, you know, well, why do you do that? Well, I don't know, because I always have. OK, but why have you always have? I don't know, because I always have. And there's no real answer to it. I think that if, if that's the case and we do it just because we've always done it. Yes, I think people are going to get extremely frustrated with that. If there is a valid reason and productivity increases or it's something that really needs to be done face to face, even though for now we've been sacrificing that, that would make more sense to me. But I, I think this all or nothing approach, either we go back completely to what it was or we stick with what we're at now um, is going to get us into trouble either way. I think there's going to have to be a shift, but I I don't think it's going to be this going back to this old way and, th and that's it. I think people are going to. I think people are going to agree with you, and I think that people are going to cut down the amount of unnecessary interactions that we are used to having, you know, scheduling meetings for meetings for meetings. 
how would you, what is your advice to people? Because regardless, there's still going to be situations that are going to come up that people aren't going to want to do. And we're going to kind of have to learn how to swallow that again and how to, to deal with that. What is your advice to people that, you know, have just gotten really used to doing their day on their terms? Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think as much as we talk about this, just about everyone's going to have to revert to a point to, you know, fit into the box again. So what's your advice on how to kind of take that in stride and not let it drive you nuts because it is going to be such a, a, a change? Uh, I think, you know, again, like anything else, go into this knowing it's going to be frustrating because hoping that you won't be frustrated only to meet it with frustration will make you more frustrated. So go into this knowing that a little bit of it that's going to be difficult and part of it's going to you know, be frustrating and that that's normal because any change into anything is normal or any any frustration about any change is normal. I think it's going to be an issue of giving up control over your day to day. And we've had a lot of control over that from home, from the privacy of, you know, our own home office, or, you know, if we're doing zoom in our kitchen to give up that comfort and to give up that control, I think is what people are going to have difficulty with. So when it's issues of control, I always suggest looking for the things around you that you do still have control over looking for the things around you that you do still have flexibility with instead of focusing on the things that you feel are being taken from you. How about situations with coworkers with whom people you just didn't get along with, people you rolled your eyes at, stuff like that? Yeah. And you've gotten used to not having to deal with them. And Mm -hmm. the possibility is now you might have to go back. And I would imagine that is going to be once again, because you've had this long break without that tension, it's Mm -hmm. going to feel even worse. How would you approach situations like that? I would explain it exactly like you did, that even though it feels like it's good, it's something that's unavoidable, right? So to, again, accept, not like, but accept and tolerate the discomfort of, okay, this is going to happen. There's nothing I can do about it. There's that loss of control again, but to sit with that and accept that. And exactly what you just said, the understanding that because you've been without it for so long, it's going to seem more heightened than it usually is because you're not used to it. You've been away from it. You haven't had to prepare to deal with them, right? You haven't had to put in that extra energy and emotional effort. So at first it's going to seem very draining and exhausting. So reminding yourself that it's not that it is, it's just that you haven't been used to it for, for a while. You know, it's like anything else you know, working out and your muscles are going to be sore, but after a while, you don't, you know, you don't feel it. So it's, it's kind of like that. It's, we have to allow ourselves to habituate to these scenarios that we haven't been a part of for a really long time. And like anything, when you habituate to it in the beginning, it's always felt in a stronger way or it's, you know, more anxiety provoking or more stressful. And then it starts to not get less. It's just that we habituate to it. So we spend a lot of time in the workplace because I think that is a, when we look at these ideas of resocialization, that's probably going to be the most consistent. I've talked to a couple of people over the last several months who were genuinely thrilled that they were able to get out of family obligations because of the pandemic, uh, be it a birthday party, be it the holidays, mm-hmm. you know, because you had the built in. Now, you know what? We're going to sit out this year, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and you were able you had plausible deniability that it wasn't yeah. because of X, Y and Z. It was because of the pandemic. Yeah. 
And I think it kind of is the same concept of you're in most cases eventually going to have to get back on that horse. Is mm-hmm. this a chance, though, for maybe a little bit of a reset with family members and stuff like that? And how would you approach these situations? Yeah, I think it depends, obviously, on the situation itself. They're all going to be different. They're all going to be unique. But if it's something that you just, that's kind of not a necessary family interaction, you've just been doing it because it's been part of that dynamic. It's been part of, a, a you know, a, a um, almost like a, like a custom of that family, you know, um, and there won't really be any fallout from it. I think people may kind of stop doing things like that. Again, things I said that we did just to do because we did them and we don't really know why we're doing them. I think those are the things that are going to drop off. I think for more complicated family dynamics, more complicated situations, I don't think it's going to be as easy as just not doing it. What I what I suggest to patients who are in this situation is, again, look at the things you can control. So maybe instead of going for the whole night, you know, now you say, I have to leave at seven because we have you know, our sitters leaving, or we have to leave at seven because of whatever. And I think that people may become a little bit more comfortable kind of slowly disengaging from difficult situations because they've been able to experience what that feels like without having to go through kind of the, the difficult route to get there. And that's really the only way in general behaviors change is going through the discomfort to get onto the other side, to see what the experience is like and that you can handle it. In a weird way, this kind of gave us that without having to go through the difficult work. So we, we kind of saw what was on the other side. So we know now what it's going to be like. So that may be more of a motivating factor to get us there. A lot of talk, and rightfully so, about concerns of people being isolated, uh, not just physically, but emotionally during this. On the flip side of that coin, though, is people who knew they were introverts or enjoyed mm-hmm. being left alone. Um, And now it was socially acceptable to do so. And now they're going to have to, whereas for the first group of people, the last 10 minutes, the last 10 months have been a spike in anxiety. I would imagine for this group of people, the concept of the future leads to a spike of, of anxiety. What do you say to those people who have genuinely enjoyed the idea of not having to interact with a lot of people that they don't want to interact with? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that is something that um, kind of when this first started and the first lockdown happened back in March, April, May, um, this was something that I was very concerned about, more so than people being isolated during this, was the level of anxiety that's going to happen when people who have a social anxiety disorder, or people that have depression, people that have generalized anxiety disorder are now without that mandated avoidance or that built-in avoidance of not having to be around people. Even people with social anxiety disorder who go out to food shop, they're wearing masks. They're, they're, you're not supposed to be near people, literally. You can't talk to people. So even if they went out, it was safe for them, which is great. And in fact, it was, it was interesting. Within the first month of us going into that initial lockdown, when my office was closed, The people that said they were going to take a break from therapy were the people who had social anxiety disorder. And one of the things I did say to them was, this will feel better for you, sure. However, it's a false sense of of better, so to speak, because it's the better is based out of avoidance of the thing that you need in order to get better, right? So temporarily, it made them feel better. In the long run, it's not going to. And I, I would suspect that when it's 
no longer socially acceptable to be socially distancing and to be in your house, that it is going to make those people very anxious because they haven't been practicing this. They haven't been facing the things that they're avoiding, not their fault, obviously, but it's just kind of a byproduct of, 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 of what's been going on with this. So I tell them to slowly, when it's safe, as it's safe, start slowly reintegrating into the social things that you've been avoiding. Start with the easiest things, do it slowly until you feel comfortable. You know, I usually do a scale of zero to eight, eight being the worst you've ever felt, zero being no anxiety. Do things that are a three or a four and keep doing them until you're at like a a one or a two or a zero. And then gradually work your way up and kind of reintegrate yourself back into things. But it, it will feel more anxious and that's going to be normal. How about when the discussion has been kids going to school, you know, a lot of the concern is that the kids aren't getting the socialization. But mm-hmm. once again, flipping that coin, there are kids and one of them is about 75 pounds and looks a lot like me who really mm-hmm. enjoy yeah. Being home, not and there's not necessarily an anxiousness there, but they've just gotten really used to doing their doing their schoolwork and then watching SpongeBob. How do yep. we make sure once they're going to school all the time again, you know that there's not anxiety and it's not whiplash for them? Yeah, you know I, ha- I have one of those too, and um, he's very comfortable at home. You know, kids are resilient, especially the little ones, and they they bounce back pretty quick. So I think that the anxiety that we have and the anxiety that we think that our kids are going to have is probably way worse than it's actually going to be. You know, if your kid was not having social anxiety during the regular school year when this didn't happen and your kid was able to adjust and, you know, make the necessary changes as they shifted grades or they shifted classrooms, they'll be just fine. I think it's just going to be you know, the first couple weeks that transition back will be difficult for anybody, but kids are way more resilient than we are. And they'll probably handle this way better than us, to be honest. And my final question from a mental health standpoint, is this pandemic, regardless of whether you're talking about people who were isolated, people who enjoyed, is this going to be kind of a demarcation line where we're going to look back for like a decade and say that, everything kind of stems back one way or another to this? Yeah, I think so. I think depending on the population that you're talking about, I think you're going to have a couple main groups. And I think that this was the beginning of a massive mental health crisis that may not, I mean, it's clear now, I mean, for the people in mental health fields, we, we see this already. I I am more concerned with, you know, as you said, years out and the impact this is going to have years later for a couple groups. One the frontline workers, there is going to be such post-traumatic stress disorder, depression, heightened levels of panic and anxiety, because when things, right now we're in crisis mode, go, 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 go. You don't feel anything. When this is slowing down, that's where you're going to see an escalation of PTSD symptoms for sure. And an escalation of anxiety. It's like when people retire, they've been working for 60, 70 years and they retire And then all of a sudden they have all this anxiety and they're not doing well. It's because it kind of was avoided for all those years. Um, So there's that group I'm worried about. I'm worried about the social anxiety sort of people who've been kind of isolated. But the other group are the people that have gotten COVID that recovered just fine, but have these lingering, you know, they call them long hauler symptoms that for two reasons, one, it's really made an impact on their ability to engage with other people. 
it's okay now because we're not allowed to, but when socialization starts and they feel so fatigued or they have such joint pain for six, eight months out, migraines for extended periods of time, it's going to, it's going to cause a, you know, an increase in depression. And also we don't know the neuro, the long lasting neurological effects of the virus in general. So it could cause anxiety and depression from, you know, from a neurological standpoint later. So there's a lot of different groups over time. I think that we're going to see a huge spike in mental health. And, and really, it's, it's, it's kind of at that crisis level, to be honest, now. So I think we're going to see a lot of things that look like adjustment disorders t- now turn into more kind of chronic mental health conditions like PTSD. And are we, as a country, remotely prepared for this? No, I don't, I don't believe we are. And I don't think that people in the mental health field would, would disagree with me on that. We are not we're not set up for it as it is. It's so hard to access care as it is. It's so hard to access good care and continued care. I cannot fathom how we're going to be able to handle what's coming our way, truly. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In Depth. You can listen and subscribe to the podcast on the radio.com app or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.